from early in Luke's Gospel, this verse. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And from late in Luke's Gospel, this verse. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And also this verse. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which has come to pass. Did you notice? Swaddling clothes near the start of Luke's Gospel, linen clothes near the end of Luke's Gospel. What the baby Jesus was wrapped in when he was born, what the body of Jesus was wrapped in when he was buried, and what he left behind when he rose from the dead. Fascinating, isn't it? Could Luke be using what in literary parlance is called the frame device? That is, paralleling something mentioned early in the book with the, the repeated mention of that same something at the end of the book. And why the repetition? To highlight, to highlight the material position between the two mentionings. Just as a picture frame wraps around a picture, making that picture more vivid to our view, so Luke's beginning and ending allusions to what Jesus wore wrap around the verbal picture of Jesus Luke provides in his gospel and make that verbal picture more vivid to our view. That Luke is using this sophisticated literary technique called the frame device seems all the more likely in view of the parallelism in wording between the verse at the start of his gospel and one of the two verses at the end of his gospel. Listen carefully. Luke 2, 7. Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, Luke 22, 53. Joseph of Arimathea took the body down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher, hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. Did you hear it? Mary wrapping the baby Jesus in swaddling clothes paralleled by Joseph of Arimathea wrapping the body of Jesus in linen clothes. A manger paralleled by a tomb. No room in the inn paralleled by a sepulcher in which no corpse has ever been laid. And for good measure, a man named Joseph in both situations. A more recognizable instance of the frame device in the Bible is the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. Prefacing that parable is the statement, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Ending that parable is a similar statement, so the last shall be first and the first last. And in this case, the frame device does more than highlight 
the parable it encloses. It even contributes to the meaning of that parable. In this case, the frame device is not just structural in function, it is also thematic. Which brings me to my point. I believe the frame device we're looking at this morning is like that of the parable of the labors in the vineyard. That is, Luke's beginning and ending allusions to Jesus' garments are not just structural in function, they are also thematic. They not only highlight the meaning uh, they enclose, but they contribute to that meaning as well. How so? Let me count the ways. First, Luke's beginning and ending allusions to Jesus' garments suggest that Jesus' saving work is finished, as Jesus had claimed. From swaddling clothes to linen clothes, carefully laid aside, the illusions span a lifetime with a resurrection thrown in for good measure. These illusions constitute a cycle, a cycle that Jesus has completed. Luke's clothing references remind us of three major events in Jesus' saving work, his incarnation, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. There is more to the gospel than these events, but there certainly is never less. And without these events, there is no gospel. The clothing references signify mission accomplished. Our salvation has been taken care of, and you can bank on it. Secondly, Luke's clothing references accent the concreteness, the uh, specificity unique to the Christian religion. They uh, emphasize the scandal of particularity. Clothes are visible and tangible. You can see them and touch them, and they are designed to cover bodies just as visible and tangible. Bodies so and so tall, of a certain circumference, and weighing so many pounds. It was a real human being, a baby human being, that the swaddling clothes contained. That's what you did with poorer babies in those days. It was a real human being, a dead human being, that the linen clothes contained. That's how you buried bodies in those days. And it was a real human being, a risen human being, who carefully folded those clothes and left them behind when he emerged from the grave. Body born, body dead, body alive again. But in every instance, we're talking about a body, visible and tangible. God became man indeed, and God truly lived in our earth. Docetism is dead. Nothing abstract or ethereal about our Christian religion. Nothing vague or pie in the sky. It's for real, solid, substantial, factual, historical. In a sense not intended by the cliché, in this instance, clothes make the man. They call attention to our Lord's incarnation. 
Thirdly, or finally, the preferable audience-friendly term. Finally, Luke's carefully positioned clothing references demonstrate Jesus' state of humiliation and his state of exaltation. You've heard it, maybe even said it. What's the matter with you? Were you born in a barn? Yet that cliché, for all its crudity, captures the disgraceful circumstances of our Savior's birth. No room in the inn. A manger for a crib and probably barnyard animals nearby. But that isn't all. The swaddling clothes, too, customarily regarded by commentators as the wrappings of poverty. The swaddling clothes, too, remind us that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. The same holds true of the burial linens, the trappings of death. They remind us not only of our Savior's death, but of the especially humiliating nature of that death. As King James puts it, even, even the death of the cross. But our last text today reminds us that these burial linens were carefully folded, laid aside, and left behind in the sepulcher. No grave robbery this, no sign of haste or violence, but a deliberate, careful laying aside. Like the empty tomb, these garments trumpet resurrection, reminding us that God has highly exalted his son and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Things under the earth. That reminds me, someday you and I will be things under the earth. But the day will come also when we too will lay aside our burial linens, our signature suit, our preacher's gown, our designer dress, whatever we were buried in, and like Jesus, emerge from our tombs. May we too be privileged to belong to that vast number who at the name of Jesus bow their knees in eternal ecstatic adoration. Amen.